Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Blind Boys Politics, and we're here with your Friday morning news show, as we always are. Chris, how are we doing tonight? Um, I'm still in a food coma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm Thanksgiving was yesterday, and the leftovers are just better than the actual dinner itself, I feel like, sometimes. I love how when I ask you this question every time you talk as if we're recording this on the day of release. Because we are, Nick. We're that skilled. We get up at 2 in the morning, uh, Friday morning, to record this. and <laughs> I just know myself so well I'm in a food coma. Oh, I'm still half in mind from last week. See, you get it. Yeah, yeah. Those don't, those don't just go away quickly. <laughs> they stick around. Well, let's get right into the news. All right. No fooling around this week. We get right into it, and we have a bit of an update from the Mayfair Mall shooting that we reported on last episode, and that's that there's a young Hispanic boy, uh, 15 years old, under arrest. And they're saying he allegedly shot the eight people at the mall we reported injured last episode. So what happened was um, two groups of people started fighting. And then immediately after that, the team started firing off his gun. And like Nick said, injured eight people. And that's the final update we'll have for you. You know, the local news for that area will cover the rest, but we won't be covering the trial or anything like that. Right. So that's, like Chris said, all we have right there. So we'll move on right to the next thing in the the Trump. The Trump campaign released a, a statement. Yep. Um, Trump claimed a lawyer that spread rumors of communist hacking into voting machines, stealing millions of votes. Um, he's now saying the lady actually doesn't work for him, despite the fact he said a few days prior to the Sunday release of this letter that she did. So, so either he's lying now or he's lying back then. We don't know. Either way he's lying. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we won't officially know until the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, um, releases a statement. They have documents filed and the truth will come out eventually. So essentially, just more spoken drama going on. Yep. Um but uh, I think things are going to start coming down with the election. Transitions are starting to happen. Biden continues to pick people. He picked his secretary of state. Right. So, yeah, for his secretary of state, he chose Anthony Blinken. Um, and Blinken's plan is to rejoin the Paris Agreement, World Health Organization, and Iran nuclear deal. So pretty much the three major um, organizations and deals that Trump pulled the U.S. out of while he was you know, still in his term. Um, uh, he also wants to try and make the economic ties with India stronger. Now, as for his... Uh, History, he grew up in uh, New York and Paris. And now, a little interesting fact, he is actually the stepson 
of a man who survived both Auschwitz and Dachau uh, during the Holocaust. If I pronounced either of those wrong, I am dearly sorry. He is the son of an investment banker whose company has $62 billion worth of assets, and he has worked for Joe Biden for almost 20 years. And a little fun fact, he was actually in the same room with Obama when Bin Laden was killed. So we've talked about Biden's major appointments uh, to this point. And for the most part, they've been people that have kind of gone against the the stereotype of a you know modern day politician. You know, they weren't they didn't come from money, they didn't come from, you know, a place a family who had a place in government. Um this guy's a little different. He did grow up with some money as we just learned. But um we'll have to see how how he does moving forward. You know, he, he's not new to Joe Biden. He's worked with Joe Biden for 20 years, so I'm sure that... Right, so at least that team, you know, that, that team has been pretty established. much... Established. Yeah, it's been established. It's been built up. I, I'd like to probably say rock solid since he's being appointed as Secretary of State. So we'll just you know, hope it continues like that moving forward. Uh but we're not really sticking around a lot of this too much. There's not a lot of like uh, deep info with all the things we talked about so far, but now we get into some COVID news. Yes. Um, cases are on the rise all across the country. New York is setting up emergency facilities like they did way back in March on Staten Island. And over 4 million people have gotten on a plane to travel for the holidays. And that is the highest since March. Now, before I move on with our uh, next point here, with the people getting on the planes, you know, obviously people are going to do what they think is right, um, you know, and they're going to do what they want to do as far as how they want to spend the holiday. It does make you wonder how that'll that will affect the numbers moving forward. Obviously, we're on the rise now. Uh, experts are expecting a huge jump uh, as far as the percentages go after Thanksgiving. So we'll just have to see how that how that uh, travel affects all of, all of that. Um, Wyoming, they have the highest positivity rate in the country at 57.31%, and the lowest in the country is 1.36%, and that is in Vermont. On Tuesday, we had the highest recorded death numbers since May, and that was at 2,216 deaths in a single day. And that's just the U.S., Thinking about it, 2,216 deaths, over 2,000 people dead in a single day in a single country. You know, we've talked about how real this whole thing is before when we talked about the 250,000 death toll here in the U.S., but now it's continuing to make itself even more well-known and how real it is. 2,000 deaths in a single day. It's hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's just 2,216 people have lost a loved one, um, which is really hard to wrap your mind around, and you really do feel bad for the families. Yeah, you have to. I mean, to have that many families and loved ones go through such a horrific ordeal like that, it's terrible, and it really when you think about that, when you think about those families who have lost those loved ones, you really do have to uh, think, how are we going to handle this from here on out? Nick, we're not stupid. COVID-19, it's causing quite a stir up in the economy. We can't deny that. And with that, 778,000 people last week lost their job. Yeah. And we got to remember too, guys, it's like we reported just just recently, uh, the CARES Act is expiring. It's expiring at the end of this year. And with that many people losing their jobs in a single week, you have to wonder where the economy's going. And, you know, along with people losing their jobs, obviously people don't have money. So along with that is 26 million people are going hungry. That is one in eight people. That's insane. It's horrible. It's a large number of the population, you know. Well, someone compared it to, you know, go to your Instagram. How many people are you following? If you're following 800 people, 100 of those people are going hungry. Jeez. That's a, a, it's horrible to think that. And it, it's crazy to think how much our economy has been affected uh, by a single virus. You know, when you go back to before all this started, one could argue that our economy was doing pretty well. Um, But after everything that's happened and everything that's still happening, it's definitely not pretty. Um, And with this issue, with this economic issue, the the two parties are, are arguing about how to fix it. Republicans are arguing to give money to the businesses so they can keep their employees employed. And the Democrats have a totally different stance on this. Right. They want to give the money to the people to spend it so that that money gets circulated back through the economy. So it's essentially just, you know, they they have different opinions on how to get the money to the people and, you know, to the economy and the businesses and and all that stuff. So, believe it or not, both parties want to get money out there, but they can't agree on how they're going to get the money out there, and nothing can happen until both sides agree to something. Obviously, like we've talked about a billion times. And that's an old problem. That's an old problem between the two parties as far as how to uh, get money into the economy when there's been an issue. Uh, That's definitely not something that's just popped up during COVID. The two parties have had much different, um, many different viewpoints on how to to spread that that money. But we do have some good news. There's a vaccine on the way. Right. Yeah. So one thing to understand is that the earliest this could be checked and passed through by the FDA is December 10th. Um, now, you will have to get two shots for this. 
And doctors are already warning you, you might have to take the day off from either the first or the second shot or both because your body has to get used to it to fight it off. And we said, you know, you might have fever, you might have, you know, symptoms and not feel, not symptoms of COVID necessarily, but you, you won't feel good. You're yeah, cause probably going to need the next day off. Yeah, your body will have to work extra hard to fight this. Cause that's a powerful virus. Powerful virus, powerful vaccine. Body has to try and figure out how to how to handle it. Um, now, now, with a powerful vaccine, it needs to be refrigerated at a very certain temperature, or else the vaccine's no good. And the temperature, you know, has to be in certain refrigerators. So it's going to take time to get this vaccine out there because for, it needs to be at a certain temperature, and it's two shots. So it's not like it's getting, okay. It gets approved December tenth, December eleventh. Everyone gets a shot. Right. No. No. And, you know, this is something that has been spoken about for quite some time um, among the scientists and the doctors and all that and the politicians. Um, The first to get it will be the frontline workers as well as the elderly. And then it will be pushed out to the more broad, you know, the broader public later on. Now, if you don't mind, Nick, I, I don't want to make you mad, but if you don't mind, can we kind of get a little bit away from COVID and talk about some election news a little bit? Fine with me. Let's move. Let's move right on. All right. Joe Biden can officially start to transition, transition to the White House. With the transition, it allows Biden to be awarded the necessary money and clearance to get the ball rolling and... Emily Murphy of the GSA administration signed the funding letter. The GSA also stands for, if you don't know, General Service Administration. In the statement, she said, I take this role seriously. And because of recent developments involving legal challenges and certifications of election results, I'm transmitting this letter today to make those resources and services available to you. So it's officially started. The transition can now start. But Nick, you know, there was a law signed in 1963. What is exactly in this law? So, right. So this law is the Presidential Transition Act. So essentially it states firstly that the president-elect is entitled to certain funding for staffing and training. Uh, They are entitled to information from the current administration uh, along with office space. They will also be given national security briefings. Now it's up to the GSA to release the money. So when um, she released some money, things can start. Um, this year, Congress um, assigned $9.6 million for the presidential transition. And when Trump was being transitioned into office, it was $9.5 million, so $100,000 difference. And just to let you know, this transition is also the president that is leaving. So it also covers their transition back into normal life. So it's not just for the incoming president and for both presidents. Right. So 
obviously that will be something that's going to continue to happen moving forward. Um, but with that, we do get into some important dates for you guys to remember that are coming up here. Firstly, we are less than 60 days now from inauguration. And while, you know, there's things going to be going on, um, the states will continue certifying the vote and the Biden administration continues their transition. But while all this is going on, there's five important dates that you need to remember. So December 8th is when all states have to have their disputes settled uh, so that the electors can be conclusive about which way they are voting. Um, and then this vote by the electors will occur on December 14th, where they will meet in their respective state capitals. And of course, they will have to vote for the candidate who won the popular vote in their state, except for, of course, as we've mentioned before, the two states of Maine and Nebraska, which use the proportional system. Uh, December 23rd, all the electors must be transmitted to the Secretary of State in each state, uh, to the U.S. District Court, and to the United States Vice President. From there, we move to January 6th, where the newly sworn in Congress, both the House and the Senate, meet jointly to count the electoral votes. And then, of course, as I stated before, January 20th will be Inauguration Day. So those are the dates you have to look forward to very shortly. And, of course, after January 20th, Inauguration's over. The election's over. We'll be moving into new sets of news, one could put it. Um, but, of course, when these dates get closer, we'll certainly remind you of them. Yeah, of course, then we'll report anything that might get released, any important information otherwise that might get released. We'll keep you up to date on everything. As we always try to do. But that is it for this week's news. Um, kind of a just straight-up information-based week this week. Um, but Chris, how about we get into some rapid news? This is our newest segment, so let's just do it. We got four of them this week. Nick, start us off, will you? So first we start out with the fact that Michael Flynn has been pardoned by the president, Donald Trump. President Donald Trump has ordered um, the execution of six committed murders, first time in more than 100 years. A current president who is leaving office has ordered this. Next, we talk about Barack Obama's new book, A Promised Land, which has set a new record by selling 1.7 million copies in its first week. And um, our final rapid news is the beloved show, The Office, everyone knows the show, is leaving Netflix at the end of this year. That's all we have for rapid news this week. Nick, do you want to tell us this week's good news story? So this week's good news story comes from Iowa, where a university 
professor has offered to deliver homemade meals to kids who are stuck on campus and can't make it home for Thanksgiving. Uh, this comes from her and her three children who have offered to make the meals and deliver them to the dorms. Uh, this all started when the professor's son came down with COVID and she kind of saw how lonely he was and how much it sucked for him. So uh, she sent out an email to her students uh, to see who would take up, you know, who, who would take her up on the offer. And after only two uh, responses, she ended up extending the offer to the 600 students in the communications department. Now, one of the students was so moved by this that she put it on Twitter. And uh, just a couple days later, the post had 900,000 likes and thousands of, of comments saying how it brought them to tears. And um, people have tried to donate money to help with the, with the whole event, but the professor has, has declined any money offers. Uh, she just wants to Holy do this. Crap. Yeah, she just wants to do this for the from the goodness of her heart and uh, her three yeah, kids. Yeah, that's a good right teacher board. right there. Yeah, no kidding, right? And it sounds like she might have a busy uh, Thanksgiving cooking day. <laughs> Absolutely, but especially if that's Mark... a really good story. The teacher going out of her way. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was great. And yeah, that's a good Thanksgiving news story. Good news story. No. I'm sure more teachers do things like that, but it's great that teachers get recognized when they do great things like that because they don't have to do that. Right. And, you know, the teacher uh, did an interview and one of the things she said was, you know, she never wanted to do it for any kind of recognition or anything like that. It was purely from her heart. You know, she, she doesn't have social media. She doesn't have any of that. So it's not like she wanted to get any attention. From right. Me. Well, that is this week's news. Great good news story, Nick. Good job finding this one. Nick found this one this week. But um, if there's a news story that you want us to cover, DM us on Twitter, and we'll be happy to cover it in our next available episode. Make sure you follow us on all social medias down in the show notes down below, because you're not going to want to miss us in between uploads. We are always active on Twitter. So until Monday morning, see you guys. All right, see you, everyone.